I now like to recognize Mr. Grothman. Mr. Grothman, I see a video, a picture of, but um, let me see if Mr. Grothman's not in. Let's see who else is here. Um, Mr. Benz, Mr. Benz of Oregon, sir, um, you have five minutes, please. Well, thank you, Mr. Chair, and uh, I have a question, a number of questions uh, for for um, the director, Mr. German. I served on a, a private Catholic school board for six years, and then I served on a public school board for three. One of the things that was appalling when I went to visit my schools, not the, not the private school so much, but but the public school was the incredible lack of enthusiasm expressed by many of the of the middle school students. You should understand that I live in one of the poorest, if not the poorest counties in Oregon, and our buildings are old and dilapidated. And I worked with my community to finally, after 31 years, get a bond passed to add to our high school and improve our middle school. Uh, but still much, much, much to be done. And so I, I, I have sympathy for anybody who doesn't have good buildings, but I also understand how it takes a community to try to make that situation better. It also, I think, takes a community to try to make your kids enthusiastic about learning. And what I figured out, along with a number of other people, is that you had to do something in these communities to, to make the kids enthusiastic about learning. So, so Mr. Dearman, I ask you, what makes the children in the Indian country enthusiastic about learning? Thank you, Congressman. Sounds like you've been in the classroom. <laughs> um, you know, my belief in education has always been we have to make sure that we take care of our students emotionally, physically before they're ready to learn. And addressing that situation, especially coming out of the pandemic, is going to be critical. Mr. Mr. Dearman, uh, I need to have you answer the question. Yes. What I'm asking you, what I'm asking you is, what makes your kids enthusiastic about showing up at school and actually learning? What is it that prompts them to want to learn? I just need a very short, concise answer, and tell me where you got the answer. Connecting what the students are learning to what they know in their in their in their world, their tribal. That's why I say we need to hear from tribal leaders, and this is where I'm getting this from, Congressman. Is our tribal leaders? want to be at the table, they are at the table and making sure that we're teaching the culture, the traditions and the languages of their tribe so that our students can connect. Our job is to connect what's in that textbook and apply it to their everyday life to make it mean something to our students and make it <laughs> to want to learn. Well, and let me follow that up with what is your what is your truancy rate? How many kids aren't showing up? Uh, you know, Congressman, that's going to be something we're definitely going to have to go back and, and uh, track. Because through the pandemic, we've had so many schools that have shifted to remote, to, to hybrid, and that's going to be something that we will have to go back and pull the data from. And well, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you, Mr. 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 Director, you're not answering any of my questions, and I find that un, un, unsettling. Would you tell me how the truancy rate was prior to the pandemic? You, you've been there three years prior, so tell me about that. Truancy rate prior to the pandemic, I don't have the exact figures in front of us, but we could definitely provide that to you. And it's gonna vary on location because of the situations uh, that we have in some of our tribal tribal nations. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to you supplying those those numbers. They're, they're extremely interest, uh, interesting to me. 
And I think everybody else, because all I hear about is we need more money. I haven't heard a word about how many of the kids are actually showing up to work. And to that end, uh, Director German, does the VIE have an employee performance appraisal plan? Yes, sir, we do. And I need to see a copy of it. Absolutely. And, and, and Mr. Dermott, it's been more than two years since the beginning of the pandemic as VIE developed and distributed guidance for schools on developing and implementing the distant learning programs that you kind of alluded to a few minutes ago. Yes, we're in the process of developing a distance learning handbook. Um, as I stated in my here, uh, opening remarks, Congressman, we're implementing an education learning management system, something that we need within our system. And we will be providing the guidance through an official document um, for all of our schools to follow. Our tribal and, and if I may, thank, thank you for providing that. My last question is the one I started out with. What's what, in your opinion, and tell me where you've had a chance to refine it, makes your children, uh, on the, our children, on these uh, Indian country spaces enthusiastic about learning? I have not heard the answer. Enthusiastic about learning in our tribal nations is connecting what's in that textbook to their everyday life and including culture and traditions. And where do you get that answer? Where do, have you talked to the kids about this? I'm hearing that from our tribal leaders and also anytime we implement programs around culture, traditions and language within our tribal schools, the, uh, the, the interest and involvement increases. Thank you. Thank you, you. Uh, you Mr. Director. And with that, Mr. Chair, I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Benz. Um, let me hold on, please. Thank you. Um, let me see, um, Mr. Keller. Uh, Mr. Keller, you have five minutes of questioning before I move on to Mr. Cotton. Uh, th thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Dearman, uh, thank you for being here today. You indicated that uh, BIE is working on a policy and handbook to address GAO recommendations related to the Johnson O'Malley program. Could you please tell us more about the plan and how it will address the GAO's recommendations and improve the program? Thank you, Congressman. This has been a long process through tribal consultation, listening sessions, and it's something we wanted to hear from our stakeholders. Out of the GAO's five recommendations over the Johnson O'Malley program, we have closed two. And we have three that are remaining. And the policy and handbook, we feel, will definitely uh, implement these recommendations. Congressman, the, the issue that we've encountered in BIE is the lack of policies within BIE. And that is something our team is working hard to establish. And we feel like this is a, it's a document that's needed. And once this policy and handbook is, is published, um, we feel like it's going to assist our contractors um, and give them the information that they've been asking for. Okay, uh, just a, a quick follow-up. So you closed two of the recommendations and three are remaining, is that correct? Yes. So when did you get the GAO recommendations? These are 2020 recommendations. Okay, so it's been two years. Uh, I, and maybe this isn't for this meeting, maybe there will be a time frame on when you expect to have the three remaining closed. Yes, we can provide that. I'd like to take that back to the department and get with my team and actually reach out to GAO and we'll, we can provide a timeline of the expectation of those three closures. Well, I would think that if education is that important, we'd already have that timeline and a plan to make sure we're meeting those um, those milestones and those those metrics to get to those metrics. But I, I'm going to keep um, on a couple other things here, if I may. 
uh, uh, Mr. Dearman, as part of the BIE's response to one of GAO's reports, you discussed uh, the Bureau of Indian Education's effort to assess its use of strategic data and reform the way the agency collects and uses its data. What steps does BIE have in place or is BIE implementing, uh, so what, what, what is being implemented to protect the security of that data? And what technical assistance and oversights does BIE provide to its schools to ensure compliance with the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act? Thank you, Congressman. I feel like there's two parts to that question. I wanna talk briefly about, we are standing up a chief performance office that's collecting and mon monitoring um, our schools. Um, and that's something we've been clo working closely with GAO around. The data, I'm gonna shift to virtual now. The data that we, the reason I feel like we're protected with our student data and our PII is because we work within the Department of Interior. All of our IT functions are supported by the Office of Information Technology and Management, which is part of the Department of Interior. All of our 53 BIE operated schools have to meet those qualifications and they have a hand in on all everything that we're doing with any of our programs that deal with student data or staff data. Okay. Um, the, uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on was a little bit, you mentioned that BIE is continuing to work with the Bureau of Indian Affairs to implement improvements to the distant, distance learning in the BIE funded schools. Can you describe more specifically how the plans to resolve those recommendations uh, from GAO? The recommendations on, on that one, Congressman, we are, are anticipating having closure on those with the implementation and the handbook for education learning management system. BIA, the Bureau of Indian Affairs involvement with implementing the IT infrastructure would be around the area of facilities improvement. The Office of Information Management Technology is another part of Indian Affairs. They will have a hand in making sure that uh, the switches, all the needs, the infrastructure needs as far as IT are met. So we, we, we've had three different agencies um, or sections of Indian Affairs at school locations, making sure that we have the support that our schools need. Okay, I, just a, a question that I, that I have uh, Really, how do you interact with the U.S. Department of Education? Is there any functions that they provide you with that might be best practices that would be helpful? We have regular scheduled meetings with the Department of Education. And so we, we do have some, I feel like we have a strong rapport with the Department of Education. Do, uh, how, how do you, just how does, how, how does the Department of Education, their interactions with you differ from that of states or other, or other governments? Great question, Congressman. Department of Education, we submit reports. In some areas, the Department of Edu Education considers uh, our own state. The states that our schools reside in, we've started reaching out and wanting to make sure that we have communication with the states that our schools reside in because it's important that we work together to support our schools. In some of our states, we actually have, we have a, a cooperative agreements with the states education department that our schools reside in so it's going to vary congressman depending thank on you. Thank you. I, I think if, if we're concerned about Mr. education Mr. across the board i, I would think Keller. that we would treat everybody the same working with the department u.s department of education and state departments of education regardless of whether you're a public school um that's not you know part of the bureau of engineering education and and uh, you know the the schools within the jurisdiction. So I, I think there's some work Mr. we can Keller. do to make sure everybody gets the, 
the same and the best practices. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Mr. Keller. Uh, now let me recognize Mr. Cotter and please, you have five minutes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. That really means a lot. Uh, Ms. Sirwa, how does the GAO monitor BIE's implementation of its recommendations? And is it monitoring more extensively than normal because the BIE is on the high risk list? Yes, we do monitor uh, BIE's implementation of its recommendations much more closely um, than agencies that are not on our high risk list. We have usually quarterly meetings with uh, Director Dearman and his staff to talk about their progress, meeting our recommendations. Um, so we really try to track where they are with our recommendations and when they're planning to close them. Wonderful. And would you say in your experience that the BIE has been generally cooperative with your organization? Yes. Ever since Director Dearman came on board in November 2016, we've established an excellent relationship with him and his management team, um, a, man a relationship that was not as positive prior to Mr. Dearman coming on board. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so one follow-up question, please, Ms. Sirwa. Uh, what are the obstacles to completing the list of recommendations that, in, in your opinion? Well, we have 10, as I said, we have 10 um, open uh, high risk recommendations, excuse me. Um, I think one of the biggest, one of the problems in terms of implementing them, as I talked about earlier, is I think their very high vacancy rate, which is now 45% agency wide. Um, excuse me, 33% agency-wide, um, but with that high vacancy rate, they do not have um, the staff available, um, enough staff available to implement, I think, our, a lot of our recommendations. Interesting. Oh, well, thank you very much, Ms. Sirwa, for your, uh, for your comments. And Mr. Director, if you don't mind, I, I'm very proud that I get to represent the, uh, the, the Koala Boundary and the Eastern Band Cherokee, of Cherokee uh, and the reservation. Uh, the Eastern Band, from what I understand, supports legislation that would create a Truth and Healing Commission to study the federal boarding schools that many Indian children were forced to attend. Uh, what are you doing to support efforts to study the legacy of Indian boarding schools? Thank you, Congressman. And I do want to make sure that I go on record as saying the residential schools of today are not the boarding schools of the past. Um, we are working with tribal leadership and you're going to hear me say over and over that I'm very proud of my team across the Bureau of Indian Education because we have schools on 64 reservations. And we want our tribes at the table, but we have implemented language programs we've implemented uh, culture classes, we need our tribes at the table. We are also working um, alongside the department, and I know that Secretary Holland is going out for some listening sessions her and Assistant Secretary Newland and we will be attending those in the locations of our residential settings to listen if there's any ideas that we can grab hold of and make our system better. But I will say that, um, you know, I would welcome any of the members, anytime you're close to any of our schools, drop in and see us, drop in and see how, how we're doing with taking care of our kids. Um, Congressman, we have 44 residential settings across our system, 22 that we directly operate and 22 of the tribally control or our tribes operate. And, um, I'm proud of our residential, our residential staff because think about uh, think about being a parent or guardian to hundreds of kids in a dorm, and it's a it's a it's definitely a unique situation. 
Uh, Congressman, well, I would like to say one thing to close that out with is, you know, my daughter uh, graduated from one of our residential boarding schools. Well, that's excellent. I'm really glad that, you know, from, from your testimony that it sounds like the boarding school are, are doing excellent now. Um, but Mr. Director, my, my question, if you don't mind me rephrasing it, is there any efforts to try and study the legacy and the long lasting, whether it's harms or benefits that have happened from the, the reservation boarding schools of past? Thank you, Congressman. Um, you know, I, I feel like in a lot of our tribal, let me address this. Yes, we have been in our communities, depending on the location of the schools, we have um, boarding school survivors that have, you know, they may be on our school boards, they may uh, be on our parent committees, they're involved in a lot of our locations in the operations of our schools. So we do have involvement with that. Uh, throughout this process of the investigation, again, uh, Congressman, the BIE will stand in support and we will continue to learn how we can get better. We identified Congressman through our strategic direction, which was the first ever for the Bureau of Indian Education, behavioral health wellness needs across our system. We identified that actually before the pandemic, working with tribal leaders and stakeholders. And we feel like, we feel confident that we have things in place to address um, any of the situations that may arise in our boarding school, our tribal communities, our day schools, but we feel like we were ahead of the game by addressing in our strategic direction the needs, behavioral health and wellness needs of our tribal communities. Thank Excellent. you. Mr. Director, thank you very much, Chairman. Thank you, Ms. Sirwa. I really appreciate right. this morning. I yield back. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now go to um, our representative Stansbury. Uh, Ms. Stansbury, you have five minutes, please. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you to both of our chairpersons and our ranking members for holding this hearing today. And I wanna say thank you to all of our educators who serve on these committees and to all of the educators out there who are listening in. Thank you for serving our communities. Thank you for serving this vital role in helping lift up our children and help prepare them for their futures. I have one message this morning, which is please fund BIE schools. The federal government has a treaty, trust, and moral responsibility to fund these schools. We signed hundreds of treaties as a nation with tribal nations. We made commitments over the last 150 years that we would ensure that our native children had not only an adequate education, but a brilliant education that would help to prepare them for their futures. And we need to fund these schools. It is Congress's responsibility in partnership with the administration to ensure that we are doing that. And that is why myself and 25 colleagues sent a letter to the Appropriations Committee asking the committee to fully fund our schools, the construction backlog, and to provide support for our tribal colleges and universities. I know this is an oversight of the administration's role in BIE, but we in Congress also have a fundamental moral responsibility and a fundamental tribal trust responsibility as well. And so it's not only on our BIE colleagues who are here today, but on us. And so I really wanna emphasize that this morning. I wanna thank you, Director Dearborn, for being willing to step up and to play this role as the director of these programs. During the Obama administration, I worked at OMB and was on the panel of individuals that was helping to bring forward some of the reforms for the BIE. It's a long road, and I know that we will be working on these issues for many years. I'm grateful for your leadership and your dedication to these schools. As we've been talking this morning, these BIE schools provide 
vital education to over 40,000 Native students across the country. I want to emphasize, especially for my colleagues this morning who've been asking questions about school choice, some of these schools are in places where this is the only school that is available for hours of driving. These schools are historic, they are in communities, they provide tribally and culturally and linguistically appropriate education, and we need to be making sure that we are not only providing the administrative supports for these schools, but that they have adequate funding to replace decrepit buildings and maintenance issues, that they're able to hire these teachers that are from these communities, and that there is the proper bureaucratic structures in place to partner with tribes, to consult with tribes, to ensure that we're meeting the needs of those students in those schools, and that ultimately, if tribal communities want to take control of these schools, that they are able to. And so all of that takes strong leadership and addressing many of the issues that have been identified. I want to take just a moment here to emphasize the needs in my district. We have a number of tribal, tribally controlled schools and BIE schools across New Mexico. In my district, the Tohajale chapter of the Navajo Nation has a school that desperately needs to be replaced. It was built in a floodplain as a boarding school. It is no longer adequate. These kids have been sent home. There is not sufficient Wi-Fi for these kids to be learning. And so, Director Dearborn, my plea to you and my ask of you this morning is will you commit today to make sure that we are meeting the needs of Tohajale Community School and we are prioritizing that school to get it rebuilt in a safe way so that our kids kids can go back to school. Yes, I'll commit to that. And thank you for your support. Thank you. Thank you, Director. And I know that these are a priority, obviously, for you, for your staff. I want to thank your staff for their incredible commitment. We also have Pueblo schools across New Mexico that need facility support, that need help getting staffing and teachers there. But again, before I sign off here with my time, I just want to emphasize we must fund these schools adequately. This is not about school choice. This is not about having schools that do not uh, that invest too much money. This is about underinvestment of funds. This is about the history of how the United States historically made commitments to tribal communities that we would provide sufficient funding to educate Native children and about ensuring that we make good on those promises, that we provide the funding that the US government promise that it would do so and ensure that we are investing in those schools and all of the supports that our students need. So with that, Mr. Chairman, I thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning and for holding this important hearing. Thank you, Ms. Tashbury. Um, I, uh, I, I can see a, a video stream of a chair and apparently in Mr. Grothman's office. I can't see Mr. Grothman. So I'm going to assume that all members have asked their questions and uh, without objection, move now to ask the uh, gentle lady from Oregon, Ms. Bonamici, to ask uh, her questions for five minutes, please. Thank you so much, Chair Sablon. Thank you to the chairs and ranking members for holding this important hearing. And thank you, Director Dearman and Assistant Director Sierra for being here. The Chamawa Indian School in Salem, Oregon opened in 1880. It's the oldest continuously operated residential boarding school for indigenous students in the United States. Chamawa has a complex and painful history, including recent concerns related to student health and safety, academic shortcomings, treatment of employees, 
questionable hiring practices and a lack of financial transparency and oversight. I've been working since 2015 to obtain accurate, timely information from Chamawa leadership, BIA and BIE, and I continue to be concerned about the outcomes and safety of Native youth, especially at Chamawa, and whether they're receiving a high quality trauma-informed culturally relevant education. I appreciate the GAO report and the conversation today about it. I also wanna highlight the Department of Interior's investigation into Indian boarding schools and thank Secretary Holland for her leadership. Our nation has not yet fully reckoned with the painful history of federal Indian boarding schools like Chamawa. Director Dearman, nice to see you. We've met and discussed issues regarding Chamawa many times. Although there have been attempts to improve the conditions at Chamawa, and you've talked about that today, and I appreciate that, we know that there's still more that needs to be done. So what work has the Bureau of Indian Education done to specifically improve oversight at Chamawa? And also, what is your progress in implementing the recommendations found in volume one of the Interior Department's Federal Indian Boarding School Initiative, and where do you need additional support from Congress? Great to see you, Congresswoman. Thank you. Uh, thank you. You know, Chamawa, you know, and thank you for recognizing that we have met multiple times to address concerns. The oversight of Chamawa, right now, we do have an OIG. Um, I think uh, OIG was requested to go in and really look at the expenditures of Chamawa Indian School. And once we receive those recommendations, we have been meeting with OIG around that. But once we receive those recommendations, we'll definitely look at implementing those to make us stronger and make sure that our oversight is improved. Um, as I stated earlier, you know, I'm proud to say that we are standing up a chief performance office within BIE that will also have oversight over expenditures of the monitoring visits. And that's something we've been working closely with GAO around. School operations is another way that we are confident that we are going to provide more oversight We've actually established funding lines to identify different funding streams that our schools are utilizing for expenditures and providing uh, trainings around allowable expenditures from our division performance accountability as well as our school operations. So Congresswoman, I feel like I'm confident that we are implementing and, and making improvements throughout BIE that it won't just have a positive impact in, as far as oversight with Chamawa, but other areas across our system. And, and what about, <coughs> Dr. Jeremy, what about the uh, Federal Indian Boarding <coughs> Initiative? The, there were several recommendations made in that. How, how is that going? What we will do is, you know, we, we definitely, first of all, appreciate uh, Secretary Holland and uh, Assistant Secretary Newland's uh, leadership in that area. You know, volume one lays out the grand, groundwork moving forward. Um, I will say that we will be attending the uh, listening sessions that Secretary Holland is going to be going out conducting because we need to hear from um, our former students at the residential boarding schools or the residential schools so that we can take not a wait on a report, but start taking what we're hearing from our survivors, our, our people that are the, our former students, and actually looking at how we can implement recommendations immediately and not wait on a final report. So we will we plan on having staff at each location. Um, and, and I do want to try to get another question in. We know that even before the COVID-19 pandemic, American Indian and Alaska Native students needed uh, access to mental health services. We've, we've had that conversation. Uh, Native youth have higher average rates of depression and dying by suicide. 
These issues have only become more acute during the pandemic and the Department of Interior's report, I think is an important step toward identifying and addressing some of these systemic issues. So Assistant Secretary Newland in the report recommended that the department continue its investigations to uncover the full scope of the atrocities of the Indian boarding school system historically. Uh, so last year, my colleague Representative Shuis Davids introduced the Truth and Healing Commission on Indian Boarding School Policies Act, which would establish a commission to investigate the Indian boarding school system. So how could this commission complement the continued efforts of the department to investigate and ultimately improve the Indian boarding school system? Thank you, Congresswoman. I feel like the commission, this is something we have been having conversations, discussions within the department. By bringing in different stakeholders to be part of the commission could definitely benefit. We need to hear the voices of former students. We need to hear, we need our congressional staff on there but I am actually a member of this commission. Um, and I look forward to that collaboration because again, it's important that we have our tribal leaders, our stakeholders from our tribes and our communities in these communities of our residential schools to be part. We need to hear what they went through, their experiences and what we need to avoid moving forward. Thank you, Director. And in my remaining few seconds, I just want to, again, thank you for working to improve conditions at Chamawa. Uh, one of the things that we've spoken about over the years is the need for more Native educators, and I know that has been a challenge. I hope progress is being made in, in that regard. Uh, it, it, you mentioned Oregon is one of the states that where the, the teacher pay at the state level is higher than, than at the Indian boarding school. I, I hope we can resolve that issue and you can continue to recruit uh, not only excellent teachers, but excellent Native teachers teachers, it really does make a difference for, for the students there. And I'm now out of time and I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you very much, Ms. Bonamici. Um, I now like to remind my colleagues that pursuant to committee practice, materials for submission for the hearing record must be submitted to the committee clerk within 14 days following the last day of the hearing. So by close of business on July 12th, preferably in Microsoft Word format. The material submitted must address the subject matter of the hearing. Only a member of the committee or an invited witness may submit materials for inclusion in the hearing record. Documents are limited to 50 pages each. Documents longer than 50 pages could be incorporated into the record via an internet link that you can must provide to the committee clerk within the required time frame. But please recognize that in the future, that link may no longer work. Pursuant to house rules and regulations, items for the record shall be submitted to the clerk electronically by emailing submissions to edandlabor.hearings at mail.house.gov. Again, I want to thank the witnesses for their participation today. Members of the subcommittees may have some additional questions for you, and we ask you to please respond to those questions in writing. The hearing record will be open for 14 days in order to receive those responses. I remind my colleagues that pursuant to committee practice, witness questions for the hearing record must be submitted to the majority committee staff or committee clerk within seven days. The questions submitted must address the subject matter of the hearing. I now like to recognize Mr. Obernotti for um, uh, his closing uh, statement, please. Well, thank you very much, Chairman Sablon. I want to thank you very much, Director Dearman, uh, and uh, Mr. Waugh from the GAO. Uh, it's been a very productive hearing, uh, and I want to continue having these hearings as we work towards getting the BIE off of the 
the high risk list at the GAO, but also as, as we help the BIE in uh, fulfilling their critically important role in providing education to the nearly 40,000 uh, students that they're responsible for. So I think we're all on the same page about that uh, in that in that sense. And uh, so I wanna thank everyone for their dedication towards reaching that goal. Thank you, Mr. Chair, you'll back. Um, thank you, Mr. Ober, not Ranking Member Obernotti, and I'll recognize myself for the purpose of making my closing statement. Thank you again to our witnesses for your time and testimony. I want to thank also our members for tuning in today for joining us in this hearing. Today we reflected on the important role the Bureau of Indian Education Schools play in providing a high quality education to American Indian and Alaska Native students that honors, honors and preserves their heritage. Unfortunately, as our witnesses made clear, even before the pandemic, BIE students did not have the resources they needed to excel. And now the pandemic has compounded the consequences of multi-generational neglect and left BIE students further behind. While Congress delivered historic resources to protect the health and safety of students and educators and to make up for lost time, these investments alone will not solve the persistent problems BIE schools and students face. Now, together, we must deliver sustained support to ensure we uphold the constitutional commitment and moral responsibility to educate American Indian and Alaska Native students. I would like to think that we will come back and we will continue to review this to keep our eyes on this issue on BIE education and also come back in, in some future time to another oversight hearing to see how, how much movement we have progressed towards the future. So, but for now, thank you, Director Dearman and Ms. Sirwa. And I look forward to working with my colleagues to fulfill this commitment. Thank you again for our witnesses. If there is no further business without objection, the committee stands adjourned and um, Thank you.